Good morning to people in America, or good afternoon to everybody in the UK, and welcome to a Premier League preview on the Big D podcast. Before I bring in today's special guests, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. I said we would have a lot of content coming out this weekend. Uh, by golly, we do, so please check it out, and I uh, hope to share some more exciting information in the coming days. So... If you remember back to the Open where um, this next guest did a great job, where he's also not just a golf guru, but a Premier League guru. So uh, joining us from the UK today is my buddy Tom Jacobs. Tom, can you believe the new Premier League season is only uh, 70-some-odd hours away? It's pretty uh, It's pretty strange. It's uh, The real football started last week. If you remember if, uh, rightly, I sort of told you that I was a Nottingham Forest fan and uh, that ended in disappointment uh, in our first championship game. We lost to Coventry in the 96th minute. So uh, just like uh, we, we always do, we seem to disappoint. But uh, yeah, excited for the Premier League to be back. I think there's going to be some uh, big changes, probably even between this video and the weekend and uh, a lot to look forward to. Yeah, speaking of changes, I'm not sure there'll be a bigger change than Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona for Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, I never thought Messi would leave Barcelona for anywhere, but uh, can when you first heard the news of Messi leaving Barcelona, what were your thoughts? Well, you know, if you think back to um, earlier in January, you know, when his contract was, was going to be up anyway, they kind of talked about him leaving, didn't they? And um, you know, it, it was Manchester City were linked because of Pep Guardiola. Uh, you know, going back to Argentina, Spaven News Old Boys, his old club. You know, there, there was a lot of lot of talk there. But um, this has basically happened, hasn't it? Because Barcelona are in complete financial ruin. Um, when you just got to look at the extortionate wages they've been uh, spending on people to realise why it's happened. Um, I think sort of, uh, Antoine Griezmann's on half a million pounds. You know, there's there's, there's so many bad errors that they've made. Um, they're, they're trying to force uh, players out. Uh, Samuel Ntiti got uh, booed the other day uh, in a friendly because he refused to take a pay cut to allow Messi to stay. Um, at the end of the day, it's this Barcelona's doing and they've now had to let uh, a club legend or, you know, the biggest legend in football probably uh, walk out the door. Um uh, it, it will be strange. It will be really strange. You know, we spoke earlier in the week and you sort of said it would be you know, really strange to see him in a Paris Saint-Germain shirt, and it will. Um, it's, it feels underwhelming, I've got to be honest. I think that, you know, it was quite sad when Neymar went to the, to the French League and, and I think it's going to be pretty disappointing that Messi's there as well. Um, we'll still see him in the Champions League, but it's going to, I don't think it gets much uh, focus on the French League and there's, there's not much competition there either. Yeah, and also look at how much Barcelona spent on guys. I mean, how much did they pay Dembele, Griezmann, yeah. and don't forget Philippe Coutinho. Uh, you that could was one do... of the worst transfers in a, in a long time, wasn't it, Philippe Coutinho? If you if you remember back to... Uh, 2018. Yeah, and you, you remember back to the Champions League game against Bayern Munich where he went on loan and he came on and scored two goals. And I think they, so they lost 7-1 or something like that, wasn't it? So... Um, <laughs> You know, it's not worked well for them. Uh, it's, it's quite sad, actually. We're used to, you know, Barcelona is synonymous with, with great play, great players, um, you know. And, and Barcelona and Real Madrid have not really been the same teams uh, over the last couple of seasons. You know, Ronaldo's left Real Madrid. Messi's now left Barcelona. Suddenly, the uh, La Liga's 
not as an exciting prospect as it once was. So um, pretty sad that he didn't come over to the Premier League, Messi, to, to join up in Manchester City. I think that'd have been a good move for him, but uh, that's the way it works. Oh gosh, just just what City needed another another playmaker. What are they going to have? Like ten playmakers on the pitch? Yeah, they might struggle now. They've only got Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Raheem Sterling, Bernardo Silva. They'll they'll struggle, won't they, this year? And Ederson in goal. Yeah, and and the guy pinging it from fifty yards every time. It's uh, it's frightening. I'm sure we'll come on to them later, but uh, yeah, they they look good. Now back to the Premier League, and uh, as you want, as you want to say, I think we should talk about everybody's transfer business. And uh, I can't think of a bigger signing so far than Manchester City getting Jack Grealish. I mean, we all saw we well, hopefully some of us saw what Grealish did for Villa the past few years. And uh, yeah, too, he didn't really play that much for. England at the Euros, but we know what Jack Wheelers can do from a playmaking standpoint. And uh, who's been the most fouled Premier League player the last, what, three years? Yeah, he's uh, he doesn't wear very big shin pads either, does he? So he gets a few uh, few boots to the shins and uh, gets brought down an awful lot. But uh, really exciting uh, move for him. Um, I think you could see from his interviews, he was actually quite upset to leave. You know, it's the only thing he's ever known. He's been there 19 years. Um, but I think eventually you have to make the move. Um, but coming on to Aston Villa, I think they've actually prepared really, really well for his exit. Um, I think they've kind of, I don't know if you saw uh, the interview with the CEO of Aston Villa, but he kind of talked about the fact that Jack Greed signed a contract last year on the proviso that if a Champions League uh, club came in next summer that he could move. Um, and they set the fee at 100 million. Uh, and they obviously got the inkling that was going to happen before the Euros and uh and have spent the money pretty wisely, it seems, on paper anyway. Yeah, in many ways, Villa almost knew Grealish was gone, and they spent a boatload of money. They got a, a Bailey from Bayern Lakers. Yeah. I love what Villa's done in the transfer market. And sort of maybe not build around Grealish, but like build in like four or five different areas and maybe have a deeper team and not just one malign on Grealish. And that's what they said. They said they need, instead of trying to replace him directly with one person, put it all on that one guy's shoulders, they're just replacing his contribution with three or four different players. So they've signed Emiliano Buendia from Norwich, who's a really, really exciting midfielder uh, and, and a winger and, and creates a lot of chances. Leon Bailey, as you mentioned, exactly the same as well. And Danny Ings there from Southampton. You know, we saw Danny Ings. Uh, he made a big move to Liverpool, didn't he, earlier on in his career? And, and it didn't quite work out. Um, I think a lot of that was injury-related. He's been very, very good since he's been at Southampton. Uh, and I expect him to do well for Villa. I think, you know, Villa are very quietly having one of the best windows of the Premier League season. Um, they've brought in Ashley Young uh, on a free transfer, who's a little bit over the hill now. But I think he, uh, he, he'll he add some experience to the dressing room. They've just signed Alex Twanzebe on loan from Manchester United as well uh, in defence. So... They're, they're putting together a good uh, good sort of set there. And, you know, they've kind of spent, what, 30 million each on Buendia and, and Bailey and 20 million on Ings. So there's there's still some money there if if the right person comes across, I think. And uh, one of the most unrated players in the Premier League, one I really love is uh, Ali Walker. Yeah. I really like what he could do. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement about how Ollie Watkins will play uh, now that Bailey and Buendia are at the club. 
It's going to be an interesting dynamic, isn't it? How they're going to try and fit uh, Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings into the same side. Um, Watkins is very much based on his pace, and Danny Ings is more of a you know a natural finisher. So interesting to see what they do. Um, I think we see this sometimes. You know, when Gareth Bale left Tottenham, they try and replace him with X amount of players, and it doesn't work. So you just hope that Villa have made the right moves. I think they've got a good good approach there. It's just whether Dean's you know Dean Smith's the right guys to take that team forward. Yep, and uh, I'm glad you said something about United because United's spent not just money, but a lot of money finally bringing in Jaden Sancho from uh, Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, I could have predicted that sign in three years <laughs> ago. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you think about Jaden Sancho? Because obviously we know how good he is in the, um, you know, the Bundesliga and we didn't really get a chance to see him as, a, you know, as an England fan. I was quite excited about what he would do at the European Championships and didn't really get a run. You know, he, he came on and missed that penalty in the, in the final, which was tough, um, but really hard to blame him when he, you know, barely had a kick all tournament. Yeah, other than the uh, Sweden game, I don't think Sancho solved the pitch really at all. Uh, it was disappointing, and and that's one of the things that. But then again, you've got you had Phil Foden, you had Sterling playing incredibly well. Um, you know, Mason Mount is a very popular player in that team. So, um, yeah, really interesting to see now what England do for the World Cup next year. Um, I'm a pessimistic England fan, so I suspect it will go wrong again. Um, but, um, you know, talking to Man United, I don't really know what to think of of their business. I think that they've spent money, um, obviously, in, in bringing in Sancho, and that is great. But I still think they need more. I don't think that, you know, Edison Cavani is ageing. Um, you know, Mason Greenwood is is still, you know, developing. Marcus Rashford's had his injury problems off-field. You know, he's doing different things. So I just wonder how his focus is there. And, and they've kind of not bought in Anything else? They've got the the, the long-running rumour of Paul Pogba leaving. Um, again, he's not really done what was expected of him when he came in. He plays, he looks like a completely different player in a France shirt as he does a Man United shirt. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Yeah, I'm watching Paul Pogba in the Euros, I'm like, he's the best player on the pitch. <laughs> and I'm watching for United and I'm like, I'm like, did you, did you put on two different boots? Yeah, and you do wonder, don't you? You wonder whether it's system issue you wonder whether it's a motivational issue does he prefer you know the the pride of playing for France as opposed to Man United does does Solskjaer get the best out of him you know I think the jury's still probably out on him as a as a manager despite the fact he's probably done enough at this stage to deserve a chance um but uh, you know I'll tell you now if they don't get any silverware this year I think his uh, his reign will soon be over you think Veron, Rafael Veron will help come from Real Madrid? Yeah, I think that that's obviously a very astute signing. Um, you know, the the laziest thing that people have done is try to compare Arsenal spending fifty million on Ben White and Veron going for whatever it was thirty, but it, it's not comparable, right? Ben White had a massive long contract; his market value was higher. Veron is coming to the end of his career, and um, Ben White's at the very different end of the spectrum. But you know. They've been after Rafael Varane for two or three windows now, just like they were with Jaden Sancho. Um, finally got their man over the line. I think him and Harry Maguire will make an, an excellent partnership. I think that there was a lot of talk about them wanting to sign Kieran Trippier. I don't know if they're still going to do that, but in Diego, uh, Diego Delot and uh, you know 
Aaron Wan-Bissaka, they've got two right backs already that are pretty competent. And, you know, if Diego Delop can do what he did at AC Milan and at the Euros, then I think he could be a really good uh, really good inclusion in the team. And obviously, you've got Luke Shaw at left back. So in defence and in goal, they certainly look um, capable moving forward. It's just what they do in those sort of midfield areas that I think is going to be the make or break for them. Yeah, just as we say with most teams. And now we had uh, down the road to Liverpool and uh, boy, the Reds did their transfer business early and got it out of the way, getting that uh, big defender to partner, uh, hopefully healthy Virgin van Dyke this year. Do you, are the Reds back to where they were last year? Was last was twenty twenty one a blip on the road, or was that was that maybe the beginning of Liverpool's dominance and the end of Liverpool's dominance? Yeah, I think that I think what they did in that title winning season, you know, is very much the peak. You know, we've seen Manchester City do it over and over again in the Premier League era uh, since they obviously got the money coming in. I don't think Liverpool are quite built to do that. Um, you know, as soon as Virgil van Dijk went down last season, it, it felt like their uh, race was over. Um, you know, that could happen again. You know, any one player, like, you know, they lose Mohamed Salah for any time. Um, I really wouldn't rate their chances. You know, Sadio Mane wasn't, you know, the player he was last season. Uh, Roberto Firmino hasn't been, you know, great. I think they, they do need to bring in another striker um, to really give um, them another dynamic. They've lost Genie Wijnaldum to Paris Saint-Germain on a free transfer. So did Lionel Messi, so did Donnarumma. They've done some very sharp business over there in Paris. But, uh, you know, it's tough. You never want to rule them out, but I think there's a little bit of a golfing quality in terms of squads between Liverpool and Manchester City. Could Liverpool's biggest problem be that they're basically the same team they've been the last three or four years? I mean, yeah, last year with no fans and Anfield and seemed like a much different team. I mean, how, how often have you seen Liverpool not win a home game in, what, five, six matches? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough. And I think that there is there is the sort of thing that everyone's going to say they're going to bring their performances back up because, you know, the cup will be back there and, and the fans will be on board. But also, with, with fans comes pressure. Um, they, you know, they performed like they did last season and were quite disappointing. They'll soon hear about it. Um Andrew Robertson's suffered an injury in pre-season. Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, was very suspect last uh, last season as well. So it's going to be tough. I think uh, you know you never rule them out. I think they're a, they're a top four side. I think it's very much City, uh, United, Liverpool, and Chelsea in that top four race. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have as much confidence in Liverpool as, as maybe I once did. Well, now we head from the Northwest to London, where the reigning European champ Chelsea might be or seem to be getting uh, an old face back, Mr. Lukaku. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the opinion on Romelu Lukaku is very much split. You'll hear the one people, you know, one side of the people say that he's useless, he can't control the ball, he can't trap the ball, he's not going to score the goals, it's going to end like it did last time at Chelsea. Um, and then you've got the other side of the coin, you know, I think he was pretty much mismanaged by Jose Mourinho. I think when you look at his, his goal record, especially at you know, Everton, West Brom, uh, even in the latter stage of his Man United career, he scored goals, you know, every season. You know, I think he's good for 15 goals this season at least. Um, you know, Chelsea are going to be wanting more than that if they're paying 97.5 million for him. 
Um, but, you know, that's just what it takes to get players back. It, it always looks bad on a club signing a player back for, you know, 60 million more than you sold him for. Um, but they had their reasons. They sold him at the time. They got in the squad that they had at the time. They went on to win the league and, you know, obviously win two Champions Leagues. So, I don't know. I think I think there's it's certainly a case of unfinished business there, isn't it, at Chelsea for him? Um, other than that, the the transfer business has been relatively quiet, hasn't it, in Chelsea? I think that the best thing they've done is kind of not lost anyone of any note. Um, you know, all the time they've still got Kante there. All the time they've got uh, the exciting attacking players in Mason Mount. You know, and you know, there's so many players that have still got things to show. You know, Christian Pulisic got to show more to show. Um, you know, Hakim Zayek's got things to show. There's there's really still things to prove. Their fullbacks in Brees James uh, looks very, very good. Ben Chilwell is solid. Um, and, and he's got some competition behind him as well. So, yeah, I think Chelsea will be absolutely fine. I think they're, they're going to be based on a very defensive um, approach. I think that that's kind of what Thomas Tuchel builds his foundations on. Um and that's really going to serve them well. They've sold, uh, you know, we talk about people having really good windows, but they've made an awful lot of money this year uh, on players that really weren't going to be in the squad. You know, Marcus Gay, he's gone to, to Crystal Palace. Uh, good signing for them, but £30 million, I think, in the bank for them. Fikayo Tomori never really made it into Chelsea squad uh, consistently. Another 25 £30 million in the bank. Victor Moses has gone for £5 million nearly. So, you know, I think I think they've done well. I think they've really, you know, a really astute... Um, transfer out period which kind of paid for Lukaku um, and that they're the hope he's the missing piece I've got a feeling Chelsea's defence might might, get a, might be next I mean you wonder if the uh, severe defender uh, can't Jules Kunde isn't it yeah. Kunde am I saying his name right yeah, Kunde yeah. might go in I've heard rumours of potentially 70-80 million for him and I think that would be an astute style I mean if you asked me and said Chelsea got a the centre back and a striker. I'm like, huh, I'm I'm happy with that one, though. Yeah, I mean, look, that's all they need, isn't it? The the thing when you've had the success that you've had, um, you know, winning the Champions League, you, you must have got something right to to go and win the European competition. Uh, they didn't do what they wanted to do in the Premier League, but that was based on other sort of things going wrong. You know that, like I said, they sold Mark Gay here, they sold Kyle Smory and, and brought in kind of 50, 60 million from them. Um, that gives them a the chance to go and get Jules Kunde. That replaces them. They sign Lukaku, uh, and and everything's kind of what they need it to be. So, yeah, I think that is pretty much what you need. But in terms of the other sort of Premier League transfer windows, what what's the kind of thing that you're looking for? Obviously, the biggest name uh, to come uh, is Harry Kane. I would say um, that's going to have a massive ripple effect on the Premier League. Um, he has told the Spurs fans that he is back to training. Uh, as planned, it wasn't uh, a holdout of any kind. He's going to be playing Manchester City this weekend, if you believe the Tottenham reports and, and Nuno Espirito Santo. So do you think he's going to be a Tottenham player uh, by the end of the transfer window? Uh, I actually don't believe so. I think I think as we saw in the uh, community shield, even that I was more of a glorified exhibition, if you ask me, with who was playing or not playing, I think Manchester City will add Terry King because they they even with nine playmakers on the pitch, he could still use a striker and Harry Kane's the best one available. I mean, 
that nobody will get Holland for 110 million when it with his release clause next summer. Hurricane's available. I think I think City will try and get Hurricane done by in the next three weeks. How do you think he'll suit their style of play? Because he, you know, you watched him in the England side at the Euros. I thought he was pretty disappointing myself. I know he scored goals towards the end of the tournament, but and look, he scores goals every single season, so he's he's got the ability. Um, I just wonder, you know, I, I think he's always benefited a lot from having you know Sun on his side, uh, you know, coming in from the left hand side or right hand side, and and putting those crosses in and a lot of counter attacking options. And I just wonder if. In a possession-based team, just quite how he'll figure out how to play. They've got to replace Sergio Aguero. That's the biggest uh, gap in their side now. So Harry Kane makes an awful lot of sense. But I, I personally think that Manchester City could go out and get any reasonably good striker in the world, uh, and he will score goals in that in that tactical uh, offense. But here's the thing: Did Son turn Harry Kane into a great striker, or did Kane turn Son into? a great winger slash playmaker because could Harry Kane get the best out of Raheem Sterling? Could Kane get the best out of a Phil Foden? One knows what it'll do with Kevin De Bruyne, Jack Relich, or anybody else in a Man City show. And and that's the thing is that you you would expect, uh, based on paper, you would say that Harry Kane is going to go and have his best season he's ever had because he's going to go into the best team he's ever been involved in under the best manager he's ever been managed by. So everything points to it's been a successful move. I just have this inkling that it's not quite uh, the right fit. Whether his talent will just overcome that, we, we won't know. I mean, if Kevin De Bruyne's going to be passing balls to him all the time, I'm sure he'll be okay. Um, I just think that just the way they play is very, you know, very fast, high press, uh, creating a lot of chances in, you know, in behind. And, and Harry Kane's not a runner. You know, he's a guy that likes to get on the ball, um, fashion his own chances. And it's a very good point you make. We're, get, we're going to find out if, if this move happens, whether it's, you know, Sun making Kane better or Kane making Sun better, you'll find that out if, if this move happens because one of the two teams is going to suffer because of this transfer. Um, and at the moment, it looks pretty bleak reading for Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest question the next three weeks. Will Harry Kane be in London or Manchester? Well, he's got himself a, a golf membership down at Wentworth in uh, in Surrey. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure he has to pay for it. So I don't think he'll be losing out any money if he doesn't get to. But uh, Tottenham have made some good signings. They've made, uh, they've signed Brian Gill from Sevilla, uh, Christian Romero uh, from Atalanta uh, to play centre-back, uh, and Galini as well from Atlanta to play in goal. So they've, they've made some signings themselves, but I'm just... You know, they've been disappointing for the last three or four years now, haven't they? Since they had that run where they could have could have won the Premier League if it wasn't for Leicester and the miracle they performed. You know, they've been they were fourth in 2018-19 season, sixth a year later, seventh year later. Um, you can certainly see why Harry Kane wants to move on. I think he kind of gets frustrated with that. Um, so it would be really interesting to see what Tottenham do this year because they're going to have to replace him. There's been talk of, of the striker from Fiorentina, Vlahovic, uh, a young striker. But we've, we've seen before in the past when Tottenham sold Gareth Bale just what, how they reinvested and what happened. And, and I uh, do worry. And, a Lotol, and Lotol Martinez, the uh, Inter Milan striker, although it seems like Inter Milan sold everybody this summer. 
Yeah, I think they've had some some finances to balance, haven't they? So Lotaro hasn't happened yet. Has you know neither has Lukaku, I suppose. But I think Lukaku is a definite to happen. Uh, it's just kind of the uh, you know it's just it's just a matter of formalities. But I think Martinez is still up in the air. But he he would be a good signing. You know it 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 just we we never know quite how it translates, do we? We've seen Sergio Aguero come over and be very very successful. Martinez could do exactly the same. Um, it's going to be tough. Yeah, we're we're playing a guessing game. Anyone that kind of speaks uh, factually about what's going to happen is uh, is a fool if you ask me. But I certainly would say at the moment that Manchester City already looked like the strongest team to to repeat their success last year. And if they add Harry Kane to that, uh, you know, formula as well, then it's going to be quite frightening. Don't ask me about team about Chelsea signing Timo Werner again. Otherwise, otherwise you're sacked. <laughs> Timo Werner will maybe he settles down. You know, I think that he he has the physical attributes to succeed. He's not going to play as much as he if Lukaku comes in. Uh, maybe that takes the pressure off. He you know be very impactful. He's obviously got an awful lot of pace when teams tire. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's not quite the signing we we all hoped it'd be. Uh, unfortunately, in terms of the other end of the Premier League table, Dylan, what what do you think? You know. Who do you expect to struggle this season? Obviously, the three teams that have come up uh, in Watford, Norwich and Brentford. Brentford have not been at this level for, for a number of years. Watford and Norwich kind of fetter between the two, sta- uh, two levels. Um, Brentford have been very, very good in the championship, uh, buying players, selling them on for big money uh, and just keep replacing them and keep making sort of different... Just filling the cogs uh, every season. But I just wonder... They've been they're doing a lot from the Danish league, uh, where they're sort of undervalued players, and and I just wonder if they're quite at the level to compete in the Premier League this season. Well, the fact that Brentford's back in the Premier League for the first time in seventy four years is a statement. <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm hoping they keep their mitts off Brennan Johnson, who is a, a very exciting player for for Nottingham Forest. He is a, a target of theirs, and uh, we're we're hoping to to get him signed up for another season, but. It, it, it seems hot. It's very easy to predict that they're the three sides that will just go back down again. Um, you know, I think Brentford have got a good foundation, but they certainly need more reinforcements. They've brought Christopher Iyer in from uh, Celtic to play at centre back, uh, and they've brought another guy in from FC Midland and Frank Onyeka for from the wing. Um, but yeah, I think they need more. I really do. Norwich are starting to replace Buendia. Um, you know, with the signings they've made, just made sign Josh Sargent, who I'm sure you're aware of, um, from the US men's national team, uh, and Verda Bremen, and they signed another player, Milo Rashica from Verda Bremen as well. So they're, they're slowly putting the pieces together um, because last time they were in the Premier League, I think they spent about a million pounds and, and sort of suffered greatly from that. So, yeah, I think the jury's still out on all three of those teams, but I think there's a couple of experienced teams in there that are going to struggle as well. Yeah, I think one might be Southampton because guess who's not scoring goals for them anymore? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're trying to sign Adam Armstrong from Blackburn, who I think will be a done deal uh, sooner rather than later. He scored 29 goals in the championship last season, uh, former Newcastle player. Um, so well, you, you never know quite how they're going to make the step up from from the grade. But yeah, you lose a player like Danny Ings, you lose someone like Ryan Bertrand, who's been in the team for, for an awful lot, who's gone to Leicester City on a free transfer. Um, yeah, it's tough to see what's going to happen. 
I would hazard a guess they're going to struggle. I think Burnley, the the luck might finally run out with them. Um, you know, there's only so many times that Sean Dyche goes into a transfer window and, and makes no signings of any notes um, to to reinforce the team that they may have to finally go down. Um, they've lost Ben Gibson since back to Norwich City. Not a massive deal, but they've kind of put in Nathan Collins, who's a young player from Stoke, who I don't imagine will make an impact straight away. And other than that, it's kind of Wayne Hennessy and, and a set young centre back from Scunthorpe, and that's not what you need to do to stay in the Premier League. Although it seems like no matter who Burnley adds or loses, Sean Dyche always keeps the clearance pretty well out of relegation bound. I mean, even last year when Burnley went around 16 and 17, they really didn't face a whole lot of pressure. No, I mean, he's worked wonders at that club. Um, and the reason he'll always be the manager there until he decides to walk away is that he doesn't kick up too much of a fuss. You know, they don't spend an awful lot of money, the owners, you know, despite the fact they're in the Premier League. Um, you'd think they'd want to spend more money to make sure they get, you know, make sure they stay there. Um, but they obviously believe they can just keep doing what they're doing. And the, the ambition obviously isn't very high. I mean, they finished 10th two seasons ago and, and they've never kind of wanted to kick on from that. Um, and to me, that's a, a bit of a concern. So ultimately, uh, who finishes top four and uh, which side and which sides, uh, unfortunately, uh, go, drop down? So I think it's going to be Manchester City and Chelsea vying for the title this season uh, if Lukaku comes in for the Blues as expected. Um, and I think that Liverpool and Man United will contest third and fourth spot. I think that the Man U with Varane and Maguire, uh, you know, at the back with Luke Shaw as well, is, is a very solid foundations, and they've got the excitement of Jaden Sancho there. It all just depends, like we say, on that midfield area. Uh, Liverpool will will do their bit. I think, you know, all the time Jurgen Klopp's there, I think that'd be pretty exciting. Um, Relegation-wise, I think it really is going to be Norwich. I think Watford are going to go down, um, and, and I just wonder if Brentford can do enough if they start getting some signings in. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really tough time for the three that have come up this season. I, I think you've got the right top four. I mean, to be honest, City should win the league if nothing else happens. Oh, yeah, and they may add Harry Kane the next few weeks. Just what they need. Yeah, just, I, I, just for the struggling team to add a player to their, to their side. Yeah, you had, you had, what, the best striker in England the past seven years? Oh, gosh. Yeah, and, yeah uh, just add him in. Just add insult to injury for the rest of the side. I think Chelsea will be better. I mean, if Lukaku's there, I think Chelsea will be a little more attack mind. You know what Thomas Sucker, he'll probably be more defense first, attack second, instead of some managers will be attack, attack, attack. I think that's always been the the formula for success for Chelsea, hasn't it? When you look at when Jose Mourinho was there, when you look at Conte, that it was always very much built on the solid foundations. And and despite the fact they are all capable of playing exciting football, and and the talent takes over, and you, you know you've got Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, Lukaku, Werner, Pulisic. Eventually, you know the skill takes over Kovacic as well. Um, but ultimately, I think it is very much a case of keeping the ball out of the net and uh, at your end and uh, and then just scoring on the counter. Hey, as we saw, hey, as we saw in Porter, just takes one goal. Yep, they beat the, you know, the team that we've, we're putting down as certainties to win the title. So they beat Three times. Yep. Three times. Yeah, they, uh, they've certainly got their number, haven't they? So, 
it's uh you know that's just uh you know a masterclass from Thomas Tuchel there but I think you know one team that we haven't spoken about because they don't really come in either end of the table I don't think is Crystal Palace um you know they've just signed uh, Patrick Vieira as their manager this season uh I think the jury is out on whether he's any good or not um I think he's been over in New York before hasn't he managing um you know he's he's been in the French league as well if it works out, in the manager-wise, they've been very, very good in the transfer window. We just spoke about Mark Gahey from Chelsea. He was very, very impressive on loan at Swansea last season. They've brought Jockey Anderson at centre-back as well. Um, that was on loan at Fulham. Michael Elise is a very, very exciting young player from Reading. Uh, 13.5 million is market value, and they, they only spent 8 million. So they've, they've really, really had some good... But they've got Conor Gallagher on loan from Chelsea, as you'll know. So... They had a lot of work to do because they, they lost a lot of players in a very aging squad. Um, but it was out with the, all the old players, out with the old manager and in with the new shiny things. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how they do. Yeah, hopefully this year Krista Palace finds a manager who lasts because you remember a few years ago when they brought in a, was in Frank Pepero and that, that lasted, what, an hour? And then he was yeah. gone. <laughs> yeah, he didn't last very long, did he? I think uh, I think I might have lasted longer than Frank De Boer as Crystal Palace manager. So uh, be interesting to see. I, I think Patrick Vieira will be fine. Um, I, I don't know that he's uh, the long term answer. I think that he's someone that was destined to come back to the Premier League, obviously from his playing days. And I think Crystal Palace have just been the side to do it. Uh, you could have seen him going to Arsenal, couldn't you? You know, if Mikel Arteta gets off to a rough start, which I suspect they probably will um you know he, his job could be up soon yeah i've seen Arsenal in the mid table which just befallen even the governors have spent a lot of money i mean you just wonder if it's fool's gold or if Arsenal will sort of rekindle i mean yeah they won the fa cup in 2020 but it seems like nothing's gone right for Arsenal. you know there was a lot of Arsenal fans and a lot of football fans in general that berated Arsene Wenger for, for never really overspending, for never really pushing further for the Premier League title in the modern era. Um, they've now gone and spent £52 million on Ben White at centre-back. Um, you know, he was apparently very, very impressive uh, in the Euro squad. He was also very good for Brighton last year, so I think he'll be a good signing. Um, but other than that, I mean, they brought in Nuno Tavares at left-back, which wasn't really a position of need. They had, um, they had uh, Kieran Tierney there. So I think that's one for the future. Albert Sambi Laconga, I don't know an awful lot about from Anderlecht, but apparently he's been impressive in pre-season. But again, only a young midfielder at 21 years of age. So I think they really are seriously lacking. Uh, you know, the, their best players are certainly getting over over the hill now. You've got, you know, Pierovic, Aubameyang, you've got Lacazette. Um, Nicholas Pepe has never been the player that he, you know, is expected to be. So it, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a really, really tough season for them again, uh, unless they can get some reinforcements in. And uh, there's always time between now and the end of the transfer market. So thanks for hopping on, Tom. And uh, we wish, wish Nottingham Forest well in your uh, quest to the Premier League or Championship success. And uh, <laughs> yeah. hopefully this. And league season is filled with lots of goals, excitement, and drama. Yeah, I think there'll be plenty of that. And thank you very much for the well wishes on uh, Forest. We can get all the uh, support we can get. Thank you. Thanks, Dylan.